have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And it is Friday the 13th. Ooh, spooky. I think this has only ever happened maybe twice on this podcast. Uh, oh, yeah, maybe. That math might work out uh, with years. Mm-hmm. You let um, me look but, at my calendar. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. it is the first time that we have reviewed Friday the 13th, especially that on Friday the 13th. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And so we are going to get our sleep sacks we're, we're sleeping bags sleeping bags yeah <laughs> oh that really bummed me out and we are going to camp out on this and we're going to lightly look at the franchise as a whole uh but before we do that um friday the 13th spoilers ahead just spoilers abound uh yeah and if you mm-hmm. have already listened uh, to our review of the movie Scream, then you are already well aware of a lot of some of those spoilers. But the main spoiler um, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. this movie is a massive franchise. Massive oh. franchise. And a massive franchise like this really needs to raise the stakes of the podcast, Ricky. And so oh, yeah. that's why for this episode... Mm-hmm. On Friday the 13th, we are going to press our luck and we're saying no cuts. No cuts. We haven't done this in Saw, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Because Normally, honestly, we cut out all of the nonsense that we say, all the mistakes. <laughs> A lot of the times, I take clips of when Ricky has laughed really loud at other stuff and I put them <laughs> at the end of my sentences. None of that this time. This is raw, unfiltered. Yeah, and largely it's because they're these horror movies are doing enough they're doing enough of the cut Mm -hmm. yeah 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 they they do the cutting and also a part of the magic of this especially this 1980 your beginning of the franchise was that it was so raw and unpolished and so there's so many reasons um and it's definitely not because these episodes are way easier to edit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah if there wasn't one reason it would be that (laughs) absolutely so, in case uh, you have been away camping for the last um, 30-something years, uh, Friday the 13th is an American horror franchise that comprises 12 slasher films, a television series, novels, comic books, video games, and tie-in merchandise. You want a Friday the 13th lunchbox? They make that, you, you creep. Uh, so, the franchise... <laughs> The franchise mainly focuses on the fictional character of Jason Voorhees, who drowned as a boy at Camp Crystal Lake due to the negligence of the camp staff. Decades later, the lake is rumored to be cursed and is the setting for a series of mass murders. Now, Mm. this movie was inspired, uh, or I should say Jason, the main featured uh, character of all these movies, was inspired by... Halloween from 1978 uh, and was written by Victor Miller and produced and directed by Sean S. Cunningham. And the films, all of the Friday the 13th films have grossed over $529 million at the box office. And grossed out even more than that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and fun fact, originally, uh, when the script was being written in 1979, the original title was not Friday the 13th. Oh. It was originally going to be called Long Night at Camp Blood. Uh-oh. <laughs> sounds like a like a Goosebumps title. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or or fan fiction to yes. something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's a real, real long title. They weren't planning for the franchise at this point. Because no. what is it? Long, I mean, you could do Long Afternoon at other right. location but we're getting into recast and remake mm-hmm. I think, we, at that we point. really are yeah 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 uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so but the original movie the movie that started it all from 1980 uh with they had a budget of five hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars a movie that's more than i assumed <laughs> it yeah. went on to make 39 million dollars in the box office wow would like, you say, Ricky? Ricky. Oh. Would, uh-huh. would you? Would yes. Would you say they made a killing? I would say that, okay. Grayson. I would right. indeed. Oh, uh, yes. Now, uh, this movie, uh, w- uh, you know, this movie has a lot of uh, actors and lots of talent. Uh, we have a uh, very young Kevin Bacon. Mm. Uh, we have someone who I was convinced was Robert Downey Jr. I had to check IMDb <laughs> several times. Uh, it was. I think not. you're wrong about that IMDb. I think you're way really, off base here. I think you're wrong. He looks pretty downy ass. Uh, but we also have Betsy Palmer, who uh, at the time um, was had a really squeaky clean, goody two shoes vibe uh, and reputation. The sweater. Right, yeah. it's largely mm-hmm. in the wardrobe, uh, and uh, because of her role in this movie, uh, people were outraged. Gene Siskel. Of Siskel and Ebert, oh. published her address in the paper and encouraged people to send her hate mail. That's how much she betrayed a nation. Wow. Well, that yeah. is. I'd say it was a different time, but that's that's a low blow. Yeah. Uh, before, in yeah. Any period in history. Yeah. Yeah. Now. The big spoiler in this movie, I, I just want to put out there. This uh, movie particularly. This movie particularly is 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 a lot of people think that Jason is a killer in mm-hmm. the movie, um, or um, old man Withers, <laughs> who just like they oh, kept on yeah crazy Ralph yeah, right. mm-hmm. but um, but it's not uh, it, it's not Jason, not in this movie. Uh, in fact, it's it's someone else, and I. I was particularly inspired, Grayson, to mm-hmm. um, to, to put put together a little ditty, uh, if you oh. will. Uh, so please, uh, if you would allow me to uh, just cue up the uh, the thing that I think is uh, so worth building up all of this anticipation. This is great. This okay. is the kind of stuff we would have cut out in a different episode. <laughs> all right, Grayson. Because the big twist in this movie, mm-hmm. Jason's mom was killing all along. <laughs> you thought it was Jason, but you were so wrong. Campers couldn't see the killer was another Voorhees. The sequel will go on thanks in part to Jason's mom. So, yeah, uh, wow. it turns out... Somewhere a chill just ran through Weird Al's body. <laughs> and now he knows what could have been. 
Uh, yeah, Jason's mom is the killer in this uh, first movie, and this completely blew people's minds because you know the uh, the slasher film genre uh, mm-hmm. was all but a glimmer in the blade of the killer's sheath i don't know i lost the metaphor very quickly uh and and so it was very surprised like this was basically a uh almost psycho uh type moment yeah it's a reverse psycho yeah it's psycho it's a son that's mm -hmm. you know can't let go of his mother in this it's a mother who is taking vengeance for her son yeah and Hmm. uh and that was big and so i remember the first time i watched this i was like well, because I, I knew the whole line from uh, Scream, but seeing it the first time I actually did watch the very first Friday the 13th, I was like, wait a second. Jason's not in this. This, I mean, it even it plays as such a great twist, especially if you are familiar with the franchise with you know the hockey mask and the machete and all that. And so yeah. It's, yeah, watching it 40 years after the fact, you're like, oh, where's the guy? And right. then at the end... When you're like, oh, someone's here to help. Yeah. Nope. 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 And you know, to credit to the the film, they they play into that too throughout. Like they give you the breadcrumbs. There really is a reveal of people not seeming scared, and then they mm-hmm. get killed, and that's intriguing as well. It's like, is it someone they know? Is it someone that is non-threatening in appearance? And the answer is, uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. The 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 thing I really liked about this movie, especially uh, rewatching it, I think that it's it's always fun to go back and look at the uh, the kind of nexus of a lot of genre uh, or trope buildings. Uh, just you know, oh, like they're out in a camp, uh, they're away from society. It's a haunted story, but kids are like oh yeah that's all make-believe stuff but then it ends up being real and you're just like oh no zombie island is a real thing and then uh you know scooby-doo antics happen but i why would we come to a place called zombie island <laughs> and, and so i just really uh it was really cool because i think i just had more buy-in i had more mm. buy-in to believe the story because now that you kind of know what the franchise has become, mm-hmm. seeing it start in this almost, uh, I keep on bringing up Scream. I don't know why, but almost Scream-like world of just like, hey, do you like scary movies? And they're like, yeah, do you like camp stories? Like they, They're in that same kind of world of like, yeah, all that really dumb make-believe stuff that people do dumb things in. And then it's real. And then they're like, oh, what do we actually do? I don't know. I guess trip in the woods a lot. I think mm-hmm. we're going to trip in mm-hmm. the woods a lot. Yeah, a lot of branches, yeah, a lot of roots and such. Yeah, because you've seen all of them, right? You've seen all yes. 12. I have seen all 12, including um, the <laughs> Jason X, which I just have to say is just, if, if you can take um, any horror movie genre and just throw it in space, I mean, yeah, you're... You're making choices, is all I'll say. I mean, that's basically what the Alien series is, right? It, it's a monster on the spaceship. Right. You're like, yes, but what if? Yes. What if it's a guy in a ski mask? Mm-hmm. Hockey mask. You ski. Oh, you wear skis while you play hockey. That's yes. why my brain broke. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so I had not seen all of them, Ricky. I had seen a smattering of them in the past. And so I, I watched as many as I could this week uh, without neglecting my duties as as a, as a husband and an employee. Um, but I was able to watch the first half of the franchise. Oh, that's, so I saw that's the first six. Um, and that was very helpful. And my understanding is that that is a good kind of like throw to intermission yep. before you pick up the back half. Yep. Um, it's very camp focused. It's uh, you have characters that go from movie to movie. And so that was really interesting because, you know, horror franchises are defined by their villains, right? Yeah. So you have like Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers and Jigsaw. But to see that I mean, the same thing applies here to see those characters that, you're kind of weighing and waiting to figure out who's going to be the hero of this franchise. Who's going to be able to stand up to him. Who's the Jamie Lee Curtis of Friday the 13th. And so that was an interesting discovery to kind of see how that evolved. And um, there were many candidates along the way and we're not totally reviewing those later films, but just knowing that they were able to build on everything that they established in this movie without ignoring any of it, I thought was really impressive. Um, that was ultimately what I got out of it. I was just impressed with their ability to set a thing in motion and then not be afraid to build on top. Cause it's not to like the third movie that he gets the mask. Yeah. Like they didn't know what this was really starting out. No. They, I mean, as improvisers, you and I, have taught and practiced yes and all the time. And so it had that feel of let's just get down what we have now. It will evolve. It will build. And that was a really beautiful thing to see. And I found myself like ending one movie and then immediately starting the next one just because I want the continuation of that story. Um, so yeah, that was something I picked up this time that I definitely didn't get before that it's a more cohesive story similar to saw than, right. uh, I think a lot of people give it credit for. Oh yeah. I mean, the, a lot of horror movies, uh, tend to be just written off as like, you know, dumb slasher gore torture stuff. And it's, uh, it's interesting to see how, um, you know, granted, it's those things, but at the same time, uh, these earlier movies uh, really were trying to tell you a, a really compelling story, uh, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, murder people and show uh, special uh, movie effects that make people's necks turn darker. Uh, and so, uh, but I mean, the you bringing up saw i think is so spot on because this does have the kind of saw nexus of like well they weren't trying to make a franchise per se but they ended up laying the groundwork for everything to be able to be built on top of it uh, and i just i i really like this one of, of all the friday the 13th um it continues to have the most replay value for me because it's almost like when you watch the office um, all the way through uh, and then you've watched all of the office all the way through. So you're just like, let me see back how it began. You're like, Oh yeah, that's right. This is, 
they were like this. So you and they were so young. And then you just keep on watching it over and over again because mm-hmm. uh, the franchise just continues to build on itself. And like, I, and I know typically what we do when we talk about franchises is that we name the movies. Let me go ahead and do that. So Friday the 13th is followed by Friday the 13th Part 2, which mm. is followed by Friday the 13th Part 3. And Love then you, you would think it would be Part 4, but no, they're like, no, this is Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Uh-oh. Then it's Friday the 13th, a new beginning. Uh. And following that, it's Friday the 13th, Part 4, Jason Lives, spoiler alert. I think uh, it's still Part 6, though. So sorry, I'm bad at reading Roman numerals. Well, part no, six. it almost turned into like a Rambo situation. Uh, uh, Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Uh, Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Now, let me just Ooh, camp out here. Start spreading the news. I'm slaying today. Let Please me just, tell me that's a musical. I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> um, It depends on how you look at it. But let me just camp out, pun always intended, on Jason Takes Manhattan. Jason Takes Manhattan is one of my favorite terrible vertical leaps of a franchise because you start like it's one of those movies where you watch it and you're sure that the pitch meeting was like oh yeah no this is gonna be great but then Mm -hmm. you really understand the elements that make jason and the friday the 13th series work really well which is it's uh, setting largely yeah it's rural and isolated and there's no hope of contacting anyone else right yeah uh, and also him being on his own turf. And mm-hmm. so uh, you don't want to see a fish out of water story with Jason Voorhees because he's already a fish out of water. Uh, and then it's a real you have, Jason out of water story. <laughs> then you have Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday. Yeah, right. Oh, wait. He went. What a commute. He went straight <laughs> from New York to hell. Well, yeah. Um, I, I, I could make a joke but we're not cutting anything out and we have listeners everywhere. So I'm going to keep going. Uh, Jason X, which is the space one. Then we have Freddy versus Jason, which is yes, part of the same continuity. And then we have just Friday the 13th, which was a uh, continuation slash reboot that took place in 2009. And uh, so how can it be both? Is it like a time travel thing? It is supposed to be set in the like current day basically oh i see so they turned camp forest green back into camp camp crystal lake and i don't know i'll wait till i get there i'll wait till i get there so that was uh produced by michael bay uh and it is a supposed to be officially a reimagining of the first four friday the 13th films first four yeah I'm even more excited for the journey ahead of me. Yeah. And the new phone that I'll have to buy. (laughs) (laughs) I hit the ground so hard. Uh, Dang it. So when you were watching this movie, uh, Mm -hmm. and you had seen it before. uh, Yes, I'd seen this one before. What was the thing you noticed this time around that you didn't notice before? I really just respected what they were doing or trying to like the whole way through way more than I think I gave it credit for before. So I believe I've seen this two times before this week where 
I designed a haunted house a while back for like a charity thing and it had references to it. So I was like, I got to watch it. And then I was at a wedding in St. Louis and someone said, oh, you got to watch it again. And so I watched it again with a couple of the other ones. And since then, I have not uh, really experienced anything from this franchise. And so I felt like I was jumping back into it for the first time. Um, so kind of everything felt new. Uh, I, I think to me, it really brought out that connection between comedy and horror in the sense yes. of the unexpected. Uh, we've talked about this before, but it, it it's that holding a mirror up. It's just irrelevant enough. Like you can see, okay, all the circumstances are the same except for this twist. And that connection between the two genres, I think, is really yeah, you know, well illustrated here. I mean, that's why Jordan Peele is awesome at both because oh, yeah. a lot of the tenants and the timing and the element of surprise, like it's all there. And so I saw a lot of that. Um, again, the the whole idea of like a franchise being defined by the villains was was pretty prevalent. And with this, you might say, well, how does that work? Because like it's the mom in this. It's not actually Jason's. Like no, but it's still Jason's story. Like they're still talking about him the whole time. Um, and so that was that was prevalent as well. I also got really tied up in like the the actual day that they were going through this. Cause what was the time? It was like a long night at camp blood or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, what actually happened that night? Because they say that in the film, they say it was a full moon, which mm. actually June 13th, 1980 was a Friday the 13th, but it was not a full moon. It was actually oh. a waxing crescent moon, which I think is really interesting because uh, they, they, the, the, the people that, that write this, I don't know who the moon people, I don't don't know what that is, but I I feel like we've said this on the podcast. Are we looping back? I think we've looped. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I think we've said that on the podcast. Oh my goodness. Anyway, the moon, um, they say that during a waxing crescent is when the feeling of safety is derived from being home. So you have a group of people who are away from home, who are camping, really bad time to go camping. Additionally, they say that your organs are more sensitive during a waxing crescent. So terrible time to have surgery, but also explains why there is so much blood everywhere. Wow. It's because of the moon. It's so the moon. it was stuff like that that made me just really like lock in and be like, all right, like what's the lore behind this? How did it happen? And then you know, explore it through some of the, the subsequent uh, uh, installments in the franchise. And so I knew I knew the twist because that is not really something you forget. Like I, I knew it was going to be the mom. I knew Jason really uh, was not featured in this except for the like, did it happen? Didn't it happen? Boat sequence um, at the end which they will replay time after time after Mm -hmm. time throughout the series, Mm -hmm. um, just like the closing of the door and saw. But I uh, just really appreciated the whole aesthetic of it. Like it's one of the shortest uh, credit sequences I've ever seen in my life. And so the, the work that everyone did, the efficiency of the production to create something that 40 years later we're still talking about. Um, I just appreciated all of that way more than I think I ever have. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it also, 
I, I think uh, there's something to be said about just what we have come to accept for for the horror movie genre. And uh, and I remember thinking this when I watched the first Halloween. It's like in the first Halloween, there's not a ton of gore, but mm. there is so much suspense and uh. terror happening in that movie. And the same is happening in this movie, you know, largely because they were like, oh, we want to do that, but we want the money. Uh, and but they did it well, because even just no. Anytime uh, someone just took on the first person perspective, you're like, "Oh no, they're they're in the car with the killer, and they don't know it." Uh, and so mm-hmm. that even is just like, "Oh, uh, oh no, oh no, this is this is not good." And then you start trying to piece it together. And even if you do know um, that it is uh, uh, Jason's mom. Uh, it's so you're you're also trying to figure out like but how how is she getting around like how how does this work out like where's her alibi like where is this because you can look at it both ways of like okay yeah I know this is her but like did she do orientation and then come back and then like pick up that girl and then kill her even though she was like just a new camper and like you're just trying to you're just trying to figure out all the logistics but it's the same kind of suspense of like the audience being like oh no the killer like we're in the killer's perspective mm-hmm. uh and that's unsettling uh and you don't necessarily see that a lot and you don't need to uh do as much of what you know all of the gore or all of the jump scare type stuff uh to have the scare happen you can also kind of draw it out and have uh the audience take the perspective of both the killer and the victim and kind of have that tension be lived out. And I, I just really appreciated that this time. That's what the game does, right? You're like the, you're the yes. killer or you're the victim. Yeah. So the video game uh, that came out recently uh, is, uh, is called Friday the 13th. And basically you, I, it's kind of like just R rated uh, horror movie hide and seek where either you play it as the camper and you're trying to avoid being found by Jason or you play Jason and you're going around the camp looking for campers. Mm. And it is... I've I've only watched gameplay of it, but it is so fascinating and it is absolutely terrifying. Uh, But yeah, it's just... It's it's like that hide-and-seek thing and that terror thing is there because like you know someone is like right there. Uh, hmm. And you know that someone is on the lookout for you or that you are on the lookout for someone. And there's just that tension and that ugh, unsettling feeling that uh, I'm just so impressed that this movie was able to start with that and then yeah. build from there. Now, Ricky, mm-hmm. if if you had to pick a favorite weapon in that game, uh, yeah. what what would you pick? Uh, so the really interesting thing about the game is that you can go uh, and use any weapon that Jason has used previously from any mm. of the 12 movies. Um, and in Jason X, you're not going to believe this. They they use nanites. Uh, mm. Like that's kind of like a little weird technological thing that they use. And Jason can kind of form his own weapons. One time he kills someone with the head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> Headcanon is the part of the show where we share with you unique ideas and untold stories based 
on evidence provided by the film. And Grayson, oh, that's good enough. That's, yeah. That's, that's as close as we're going to get today. Oh, that's great. Oh, oh good job. Thank Man. you. Thank you. Wow. Uh, so my, my biggest piece of headcanon for the very first Friday the 13th mm. um, is that it is all just a dream of Kevin Bacon's. Uh, and then it is also existing in the world of Nightmare on Elm Street. And so it's real. That's my headcanon. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah, I had a Kevin Bacon headcanon, too, that this is like what he sees when he's flatlining. Uh, <laughs> like he's the flatliners guy. Nope, that's the one. That is, yeah. that is the headcanon. I, I hate that I did not come up with that. That's brilliant. But, but, all, but the, in the mind thing is interesting, too, because so many of the characters in the series like break mentally. And so, right, yeah. It's like even uh, the rest of the series could be in like Alice's mind and and she goes on to just imagine all this, like whatever it is. Um, I had I toyed with an idea that the that the cameraman was the killer all along because <laughs> of the POV shots. There was, I there was a season love that. Well, there was a season of American Horror Story. I mean, not not the most recent one with 1984, which uh, I think a lot of a lot of this has inspired that. Um, but the uh, there was one where it was like a reality show and the production was part of it too. So I was like, oh yeah, what if this is like a docu-series? And, wow. Yeah. Uh, but my real headcanon was that Annie, who uh, you mentioned, you know, Mrs. Voorhees had to go back and pick her up and, and all that. The hitchhiker, uh, she's one of the first ones to be killed, but you, you kind of expect her to be the hero of the whole thing, the, the main protagonist, yeah, yeah. and then the killer early. It's like what Lost wanted to do with Jack uh, before focus groups were like, no. Um, and so uh, she has an interesting moment early on where she's talking to a dog at a gas pump. And she's like having a full-on conversation with this dog. And I, I don't think that's just to get the audience on board with Annie as a character. I think she's straight up telepathic she was talking to the dog mentally and that's something that's teed up in in later ones they bring back you know that telepathy and the the mental aspect of it like even tommy jarvis kind of communicates on a psychic level uh as jason appears to him um and jason speaks through his mom at different times if you believe that that's the dynamic happening there um so i think that is consistent with everything else Ultimately, my headcanon is that one of the characters that got killed off very early could talk to dogs. Uh, so <laughs> that, that is the headcanon. I was trying to reserve my official headcanon until I saw all 12. So maybe uh, maybe when we get through sequelary someday, uh, I'll revise that headcanon. But help me. Uh, Annie's always going to be the dog whisperer. Well, I, I'm just going to... Uh... I'm going to bunk bed that head cannon. That's a great phrase. Thank you. Uh, and and set this in the um, X Men universe. Mm. Uh, and Jason that basically X Men. Yeah. Oh. And so it, it's uh you know it's like the 70s at the time of production, and so you know um 
mutant kind or people aren't kind to mutant kind. And so uh, some of these horror stories are kind of happening about just like what happens when, uh, you know, um, first off that, you know, uh, um, latent mutant abilities kind of go not only unchecked, but just like uh, what happens with Jason later on in the franchise is just that, you know, he is just very, very resilient and so I just am going to chalk that up to a, an X gene. And mm. uh, and that dog thing is also true. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason could be Jason from X2. Oh, yeah. That was Jason an actual Jason. character. <laughs> that is the first time we've ever cared about names. Wow. Headcanon. It is. Look at that. I'll take it. Headcanon. Now we're going to go into the part show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast, remake. We're going to pretend that that mic bump was a sound effect. It was. uh, That you'll never hear again (laughs) for recast and remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? I love this, uh, the story, this Mm kind of cast. I would honestly love if we could do this as and a reality experiment kind of like a uh what i think like the house or the circle on netflix where it's just like a bunch of different people um Mm -hmm. are doing like a friday the 13th kind of reality show where they have to figure out who the killer is oh i see so it's like they're all here to find love what they don't realize so they're really naked and afraid yeah okay oh yeah Mm -hmm. naked and afraid i just didn't see that that was on Netflix, but yes, probably. Was the cameraman not the killer in Naked and Afraid? <laughs> I don't know. I never saw it. Uh, but yeah, I, I I love this uh, story. I think it would be a really great uh, reality slash game show kind of thing of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, you know, um, th- there's that new game that's out, which is basically you know just another version of Mafia called Among Us, um, and mm-hmm. and I think that's. Um, the this movie is basically the first iteration of that like there is a killer among us and you don't know who it is uh and i think that friday the 13th could just jump in on that uh that's kind of like what the mole was like um, right exactly with anderson cooper um john kelly yeah yeah someone's working against the group yeah yeah, so I, I like to take it in the reality format because I think that those reactions could be really fun to see. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I, I would also love to see Jordan Peele's just mm. approach to this this whole franchise. Like, let just sign him on for a 12 movie contract and just let him do whatever he wants. And he gets a yeah. call whatever whatever series he wants. Friday the 13th, and we get to see that unfold. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, for for recasting, um, I really only had a recast for the Voorhees family. Mm -hmm. Uh, For Mrs. Voorhees, I had uh, another famous mom, Julie Bowen, from Modern Family. Yes. Julie Bowen. And then uh, for Jason, you know, they they always kind of obscure the, the actor, right? It was never like a, a named actor, as far as I know, that was playing Jason. But I thought it'd be interesting. Like, how does that affect the experience if you know who's under there? Does it take you out of it? 
either way, I'd like to see John Cena play uh, play Jason. Just whatever yep. that means to mm-hmm. you. Yes. Um, but yes. for uh, expanding it, I think I think we're at the point where we could do a really viable crossover with Wet Hot American Summer. Original cast on all of it. But have them still, just like they did with the new <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer, pretend like they're teenagers. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I, I'd be about it. I, I think, too, so yes. there's, there's 12 movies, right? There's 12 movies in the franchise. There has to be 13, uh, at least. It's in the name. So, wow. what is the 13th movie going to be? I think if it were to come out in 2020, uh, it's not, because nothing is. If it were to come out in 2020, except Tenet, I guess, what... <laughs> What would it be? And I think it'd be interesting if there was a Friday the 13th through Zoom, track people down. I mean, there's like that unfriended movie that kind of did this aesthetic. Um, But if Jason is hunting people down online through live streams and all that, um, I would call it Friday the 13th, part whatever, 13, I guess, dead air. And I think it would do pretty well. Oh, this is one I mean, if... If this was not an audio podcast and it was a video one, you would see my jaw drop. Uh, that was yes, that would be so good. I I would love that. That would that would be solid. And and that I think that would also be the only way. Because uh, because part of the experience of Friday the Thirteenth is that you are untethered from, uh, you know, your city communication. This even modern technology. I Start think- spreading <laughs> the news. Uh, and so I think that uh, kind of having that just like a, a bunch of friends who are all like in these different uh, areas just trying to communicate with each other. Like I, I like the, I, I would probably put that setting of like, oh, yeah, we're all camping but we're all trying to go online and check in with all these other things like oh yeah did you see tiffany went missing or whatever and yeah then, they're all quarantined and isolated and, yeah. yeah 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 interesting yeah you uh, could do something with that for sure but if there was like a disney plus series spinoff mm-hmm. i just want to see what's up with mr Voorhees. like i, I want to see the the disney friendly what's he going and so that's what i was going to say uh, before we started recording and they were like, no, save it, um, was, I, I don't know if they ever answer, you know, what happened to, to Mr. Voorhees. Like, is there, is there a, a Mr. Voorhees? Is that a major spoiler? I assume oh, they got to get to the bottom of the well. Oh, you'll see. Okay, great. Great. I assume that he has a penthouse in New York slash a tent on the moon or whatever. Yep. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's got a condo in hell at some point we yeah. will come across. Okay. That's exciting. That's yeah. exciting. I wish I could drop my phone again in excitement. Um, great. But either way, if I had a second take title, this movie for a recast and remake, um, it would be don't get attached. Just don't get oh, attached. Oh, I like it. I like it. If anything, you're going to get detached. Ooh, True. Very true. They should put that on the disclaimer. Uh, you signed in your release form, right? Uh, oh. So now we're going to go into our final segment where we like to give you reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the original 1980 
Friday the 13th. Yeah, I recommend Friday the 13th because, well, for one, it's so easy to forget that this movie is 40 years old. It still yes. feels relevant. Um, even though the last one was made, what, 2009? Uh, so we could have reviewed that um, by the rules of the podcast. But still, like it, the parodies of it and the fact that the most recent season of American Horror Story touches on a lot of the same themes, like it is part of the the horror culture the film culture as well so um yeah it's really cooked in at this point and there are so many conventions of the slasher film that get established in this everything from the the pov of the killer it's similar to like predator except predator was seven years after this movie uh and so you really see like even though it was inspired by halloween they really tried to make it their own in a lot of ways and you know halloween and nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th they all have similar paths but did a great job at carving out their own piece of the slasher pie um and so it's interesting to see the the seeds of all that here um at the beginning of a very long uh and uh, honestly historic franchise what I also really appreciate about this movie is, you know, I remember when The Village came out, M. Night Shyamalan had a quote about how he approaches monsters. And it's that you want to show the monster as little as possible. You know, that What's in the mind of the audience is always going to be scarier than what you can show on screen, which is why a lot of times like no- novels that are then turned into movies are scarier than their movie co- counterpart. And... I think this does an excellent job at that because not only is it scarier, but the the reveal of what the killer looks like is such a huge reveal. And so it's not just a, oh, we're going to obscure the answer. We're going to make, make it so you don't know this piece of information just for the sake of trying to keep you interested. It's important that you don't see the killer till the end. So I really appreciate all that. It, it feels purposeful feels connected and builds towards the larger story but like you said so much the the setting of this the the isolation there's no hope of help um they set up that dynamic too that became a convention of the slasher films of punishment like you have a lot of teenagers that are doing stuff they're not supposed to and they they make bad choices one way or the other and then like jason's there to kill them like there's that grim reaper uh, effect that has played beyond the franchise as well and this is just such an early instance of it but i i recommend this movie for the very focused and condensed performance of betsy palmer as mrs Voorhees. it's a shame that as far as i know and i it, this is really the only place that she was able to let loose in the franchise and they reuse that footage a lot but her scenes in this are truly chilling. Um, and uh, like we said, it's the opposite of Psycho. It's a mother who loves her boy so deeply, has so much pain over his loss that she just she snaps and she goes to extreme measures to try to make it right and bring him back. So there's a lot going on here. And uh, I want to I wanna just address the Razzie in the room, which is that... This got nominated for two Razzies, for Worst Film and for Worst Actress with Betsy Palmer. 
and they were making Razzies in the eighties. I I don't I don't know. Maybe it was a, a retroactive Razzie. I don't know what it was, but it got nominated for for two of them. And the thing is, uh, you have to look to you know what what happens to the horror genre over time. And I'm going to quote C. Robert Cargill here. He's the writer of, um, of uh, Dr. Strange. And he's also the, the writer of, um, I, I want to say, uh, Insidious. Uh, but I always mix it up with Sinister. Um, and I should have looked this up ahead of time. This is exactly the kind of stuff that we cut out, but I'm going to keep talking at this pace until I can say, nope, it was Sinister and Sinister 2, and that's why we do the research. Um, but he had an excellent quote uh, that on Twitter where he said, horror ages better than any other genre. Bad movies become fun movies. Good movies become great movies. Great movies become legendary. A good horror movie can have a long shelf life, so remember not to write for the trends now, but rather for audiences 10 years from now. Wow. And end quote from the writer of Sinister, Sinister 2, and Doctor Strange. Um, it's such a great quote because it, it this proves that it's true. 40 years later... We are recording a very long episode about a very mm. old movie, um, and it just has gone through such a life cycle. So, all that's to say, if you have not seen Friday the 13th, it is not just a piece of uh, you know, horror history, it, it has earned its position in film history as well. So, if you like films, which is probably why you listen to our rantings and ravings um i i highly recommend friday the 13th absolutely and i'm i'm gonna keep my uh reasons to recommend very short because i'm just gonna Prove quote <laughs> i'm just gonna quote uh the the screenwriter so uh screenwriter victor miller uh was not a big fan of the sequels of the movie uh, for whatever reasons, largely because he's a big fan of Roald Dahl. Uh, but <laughs> so uh, this is his quote. Be honest, I have not seen any of the sequels, but I have a major problem with all of them because they made Jason the villain. I still believe that the best part of my screenplay was the fact that a mother figure was the serial killer working from a horribly twisted desire to avenge the senseless death of her son, Jason. Jason was dead from the very beginning. He was a victim, not a villain. But I took motherhood and turned it on its head, and I think that was great fun. Mrs. Yeah. Voorhees was the mother I'd always wanted, mother who would have killed for her kids. Wow. So you're saying Friday the 13th, <laughs> It's a Mother's Day film. It's a Mother's Day film. We're so late. <laughs> or early. Or early. Uh, and, and so I, I recommend it from that because like it, it this movie uh, really delivers a lot of horror, a lot of subverted expectations. But really, it just gives you a solid story uh, that you don't expect. And there are so many layers from this very simple 
film and it delivers on the horror slash thriller genre without uh, being what you expect from a horror slash thriller genre movie. So I recommend it for that. And it has so much to examine and enjoy and uh, and just watch the whole franchise from there forward uh, or boycott it just like the screenwriter. It's either or you have to start with the 1980 Friday the 13th. Hmm. Maybe the real Friday the 13th was his friends made along the way. And that oh. is our review of the 1980 movie uh, Friday the 13th. Let us know what you remember about Friday the 13th on our social media Hopefully on Friday the 13th. That would be really great. Just to see oh, that, your little would be comment great. Yeah. there. Uh, on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we are at Flashback Flicks. And mm. it would mean so much to us. Like, I mean, like five arrows almost hitting my human body uh, as a prank. What a weird prank. Uh, oh, yeah. Go to prank school, man. <laughs> Go to prank school, not Robert Downey Jr. Uh, on a scale of one to five uh, arrows, mm-hmm. or no, I say on a scale of one to five uh, bunk beds, which a I five, guess a five stack of bunk beds, a a quin no a five tuple a five tuple bunk bed, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, either way, five of anything. Makes us happy campers. Uh, I like uh, it. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flix Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind. Did we do it? And now we hit the stop button. We did it! Next time on the Flashback Flix Retro Movie Podcast. Well, I hope you're hungry for Thanksgiving dinner, but left room for seconds as we review the 1981 film My Dinner with Andre, starring Wallace Shawn. That's right. And Andre Gregory. He's the Andre. Oh, you were saying Andre? I thought My Dinner with Andre and dessert and a side salad if it's not too much trouble. Either way, I would like to have a to-go plate.